Hi, everyone. This is Olga Mack, still working from home, building the future of contracts. And today I am with Frank. Frank, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Frank Ramos. I'm an attorney here in Miami at Clark Silverlight, and I do products, commercial, and employment litigation. So, Frank, you and I met on the internet, and that's where the best friendships begin, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, through LinkedIn. That's right. <laughs> um, I, I think that's your favorite platform. Or do you have any other close seconds? Uh, no, I'm very active on LinkedIn and very active posting daily for about four years now. And I'm also fairly active on Facebook. I fool around a little bit on Twitter and Instagram, but not very much on those platforms. So I think just like myself, LinkedIn is, uh, is fair to say is the one and only love. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Uh, so tell me, tell me what excites you about LinkedIn and why you keep coming coming to it. You know, I think especially since the inception of the pandemic last spring, where all of us were grounded and we weren't able to really go to conferences anymore, or meet people for lunch or coffee, we had to find social platforms to interact and meet and communicate with one another. And LinkedIn really lent itself to that. And I had already been active on the platform, but really accelerated that since the rise of the pandemic and have met a lot of great people such as yourself and other professionals and not just lawyers, but people from all scopes of practice and life and all over the world. And it's really a great place to uh, get to know each other, introduce oneself to others, and really expand one net network and get to know uh, people from, from everywhere, really. Yeah, no, with you. I, I've been active on LinkedIn before pandemic and certainly uh, have gained more time during the pandemic and uh, found my even more members of my tribe and, um, and community and have supported others, have been supported by others, and generally uh, just uh, really uh, improved my learning and, and social life and, and ability to, 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 to sort of get more from my, uh, I guess, license to practice law. One of many reasons to be on LinkedIn is, um, is to recruit top talent. That's not obviously the only reason, but one of many reasons that's sort of where LinkedIn began. And as somebody who, um, who probably recruited many candidates in your time, um, uh, especially attorneys, I guess I, I wanna have a conversation with you about recruiting top talent, top legal talent retaining it and making sure that uh, it's, uh, it's impactful uh, and, and, and healthy and thriving um, and inspires others to go above and beyond. Tell me, I guess, where do you start in approaching the question of, of hiring the right candidate? Uh, how do you define what right candidate means and for what position? Right, whether it's a company or a law firm, especially if you're looking for legal talent, you have to ask yourself, you know, what is your company or law firm's mission, vision, and values? And, you know, all of us, we all have a mission statement. We have a vision statement. A lot of times on our website, we have our values listed. And that's a great place to start because that's sort of your long-term future for your organization. You need to find people who buy into that, who believe in that, and you're supported each and every day. And so that's sort of, you know, that's the mold, mold that you're looking for. And once you have that, then you seek people out. And you're right, LinkedIn really started 
started out and still in many ways is a platform to uh, seat a job and to hire prospective employees and individuals. And that's very much a very important part of the platform. And so the way I've used it and a lot of other professionals have used it is that one, you know, we identify who we need in terms of you know, level of experience or practice area. And then we search out first our contacts and then our second and, and, and tertiary contacts and see who of those individuals fit the mold. And you know, often I'll just reach out to them individually through a message or I'll email them and say, you know, I came across your information on LinkedIn. I enjoy your profile. I think we uh, share some similarities in our background. And I think you may be a good fit for our organization. You know, are you interested uh, or are you looking at this time? And it's challenging to find the right person for the right position. You know, that's obviously there are companies that do that exclusively. There are headhunters who spend their entire careers trying to make uh, that match uh, and do it perfectly. And if you're in-house or if you're a managing partner or an administrative partner and you're trying to find somebody to fit your organization, your law firm, it's, it's not easy. You know, it's, it's tricky. Uh, but I think LinkedIn and other platforms provide a wealth of potential individuals who you can search out and reach out to and ask if they're interested in at least, you know, sending you a resume or speaking with you further about whatever opportunity you have. And then, you know, you use that as a segue to actually get the person on the phone or through a Zoom call and get to know them better and they get to know you better and each person can figure out whether it's a right fit for both the organization for the individual. Is, imagine something interesting. You start with your organization, understanding who you are, what your values, what, what your mission, vision, statements are. Um, and then you sort of look for people who buy into it, who live and breathe those uh, mission values. And, um, and uh, before you even contact them, you know, I think you would make a judgment whether that person may be in the ballpark. What I am curious about is as you're looking, uh, what are you looking at? As you're looking through their profile, what are you looking at? Uh, or how do you make that assessment? Um, not just sort of skills, that, that's a separate thing, but that fitting the mold, that kind of buying, having a potential of buying into culture? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, our firm, uh, we're a boutique litigation firm here in Miami, and we believe very strongly in leadership, having strong leadership skills and interest in leadership. So when I'm looking for candidates, I'm looking for people who have led organizations. You know, again, as you mentioned, LinkedIn, each of us has a profile. It's very much like a resume in a sense, you know, and it provides line items for a whole host of things, not just skills and talents, but awards and leadership positions. And so I'll scroll down and see if the individual is currently in any leadership positions or has been any leadership positions and not just at whatever company or firm they're at, but any voluntary bar associations or trade associations or nonprofits or local charities, maybe they've even started their own charity. And so that's that's one big thing for me. You know, are, are they out in the community or out doing something in a leadership capacity? Because I think that means a lot for our organization. Now, some organizations that may not be as important, that's one example. Or maybe it's an organization where you need them to do a lot of 
public speaking because they're going to be the sort of the face of your organization. And so you want to see, uh, do they do a lot of public speaking? Have they shared videos of themselves? Have they, um, you know, are they members of Toastmasters, for example, or do they take an improv class, whatever it might be. And so that's sort of a way of sort of analyzing and figuring out if you have sort of uh, the right person for the position you're looking for. I, I personally find interesting, in addition to looking at that, looking at their feed, and not just at the feed that they uh, post, but the feed, how they engage with others. Because um, you learn quite a lot about a person, not when they speak, but also when you kind of observe them in the wild, uh, <laughs> <laughs> interacting with their peers, superiors, or even, you know, folks who may be coming behind them. Um, do you do you look at people's, um, I guess, social interactions and posts on LinkedIn? I do. That's a great uh, point, which I didn't make, is that uh, for those of you who aren't aware, you can kind of look at anybody's feed um, and you can see whatever activity they've had over the last 90 days and you scroll that down. And it has both posts they've made, articles they've written and shared, and likes or comments they've made on other people's posts. And it's interesting to see not only what they're writing or commenting on, but you know who they're liking and who they're following. And, and it kind of gives you sort of a holistic approach and perspective of who they are. And again, it kind of brings in more information. So much about hiring the right person is making sure you know as much as possible about the candidate. And LinkedIn provides some interesting insight by not only what they're saying, but who they're following and what they're saying about others as well. So that's very interesting because I find it very useful. But then, you know, I also have been on, on social media long enough, well, well before it was cool, um, and had many conversations with, with lawyers about having reservations uh, precisely because, you know, every time you quote unquote like or interact with somebody, you make a statement. Um, whether you like it or not. And, and, and for that reason, um, many attorneys, I, what I would describe a little gun shy um, when it comes to social media, uh, because um, they, they, may or, they, they may or may not want to make a statement about who they are every day. Um, and yet, social media is such a great opportunity uh, to, uh, to, to do all kinds of things, to learn, to network, to add value, to have impact. Um, how do you strike that balance? Um, do you think um, it's overthinking or how do you do it thoughtfully? No, that's great, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's so very true. Let's say you are a trial lawyer and you have a trial firm. You're looking for outgoing people. You want individuals who are gonna put themselves out there. And if they're not really engaging on social media because they're afraid what people are going to think about them, they're probably not the right person because they're probably, they may be afraid of how they're going to interact with the jury, how they're going to put themselves out in front of the jury. And I think you're right. I think the thing about social media is such a powerful platform, whether it's LinkedIn or another platform, but for professionals, particularly LinkedIn. And for those of us who aren't using it properly or using it fully, uh, people are missing out. And if people are so risk adverse that they're afraid to click a like or say something because people may think of them the wrong way. Now, putting aside obviously very controversial things, very political or personal things, which the website uh, platform isn't appropriate for, but just sort of run of the mill stuff that people are constantly second guessing and rewriting their posts. And um, so often, and I'm sure you get the same remark from people who are on LinkedIn. It's like, oh, how do you find the time to post? It takes me forever to post something. And it's just, there's this fear like, like people are going to judge them for what they have to say. And it takes a certain level of confidence and gravitas to say to yourself and to the rest of the world, 
you know, I don't really care. You know, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I'm going to try to say it intelligently and thoroughly and thoughtfully. But at the end of the day, it's going out there and I'm moving on. I'm not really thinking about it anymore. I'm going to go on to the next post and the one after that. And I think if you find somebody you're looking for to hire and you find somebody who is posting regularly, that says something about that person. If you suggested they're the sort of person that is willing to sort of take risks, put themselves out there, have a voice. And uh, that's so necessary for whether, you know, you're hiring for a company or for a law firm. I often point out that by saying nothing, you actually reveal quite a lot about yourself. You know, it may be good in some contexts and, and not in others. So silence, strategic as a form of speech. Say you identify the, what looks like a perfect candidate, has a look and feel, so to speak, of, of the right fit. Um, you are, you know, you, you get them on a call or you have them sort of in an interview type of experience, which is practically speaking today is probably also on the phone or video. Um, what questions do you ask to really get whether or not they will buy into your values and culture and mission and, and vision? Yeah, if you've gotten past the point where maybe you've exchanged uh, messages with one another and there's interest in the part of the candidate and they wanna have and speak to you and learn more about your company and you wanna interview them, um, you want to find out one, what due diligence they've done about you and your company, uh, because you want to make sure you have somebody who's conscientious, is hardworking. And if someone's in an interview with you, you hope that they've looked at your LinkedIn profile, that they've looked at your company profile, they know who you are and what your company is and what it does or your law firm. And they feel that they are a good fit for it and they can speak to you intelligently. They're not asking very basic or common questions about, you know, who are you, what you do or what you're looking for. A lot of that should already be answered or should already be at the forefront of their minds. So that's one thing, you know, how much do they already know about me and the company? And the more they know about me and the law firm and what we have and what we have to offer, um, the more comfortable I am, because I know if they're willing to do that much amount of homework and research about me, they're probably going to be more proactive in the cases we handle and the clients who represent. So you mentioned one of the qualities you look for is leadership. And you um, assess that through, uh, the, you know, the uh, organization's participation through, um, through maybe content they put out, the way they show up on LinkedIn. Um, what other quality? And then I guess the second quality you mentioned is, is preparation, right? Uh, how prepared they are in actually progressing through that conversation with you. Uh, how much they know when they show up and uh, how they not only kind of overtly tell you what they found, but structure the interaction in a very intentional way. So it leads to unavoidable conclusion of, 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 of a fit. What other qualities, other than sort of, I guess, research and leadership, you or how you've seen other employers uh, be able to assess uh, about the candidates on, say, on social media? You know, I think we're all looking for somebody who's comfortable with themselves and with who they are and what they bring to the table and being able to sort of speak in a comfortable way, uh, whether it's across one person or whether it's in a larger group in a conference room or in front of doing a large presentation, public speaking skills is very important. And again, just like leadership skills, I'm looking for somebody who's done any public speaking, if they've done any presentations, whether it's CLE 
or they've spoken to their local, you know, church or synagogue, or if they've teach a class at the local college, or if they do presentations for the Rotary Club, you know, it doesn't really matter where they're speaking. I just want to see that they are speaking, that they are getting in front of a group of people uh, on a regular basis, and they're comfortable doing that because, you know, you know, whatever organization you work for, whatever law firm, and this comes part and parcel of being a leader, you know, you, you have to sort of motivate, you have to inspire, you have to uh, lead the group. And it's going to be more than just something you write uh, or an email you send or a text message. It has to be face-to-face. And in order to do that, you have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable in your own body and your own skin and your voice and your cadence. And so if I can, not only will I look them up on LinkedIn, but I'll see if there's any YouTube videos for them or if there's any uh, videos on any other platform where they've presented. And I think more and more video content is becoming more important on social media. More people are engaging in uh, video content. Uh, obviously, you do. A lot of other folks do it as well. And again, that takes a certain level of hookspot to do that, to put yourself out there that way. And if you can find somebody who's doing that and is comfortable doing that, then that says a lot. This is a lot about the person and how comfortable they are. And if you need to put them in front of a client or if you need to put them in front of a jury or a judge, uh, you, you know, you, you can feel comfortable they're going to do that. You know, there's certain skills that are hard to learn, like being able to uh, speak clearly and articulately, to be comfortable with what you're representing. Uh, that takes time to develop. Like the substantive stuff, you know, what the law is, what a case says, any of us can pick up a book or go on Westlaw and figure that out. But the more soft skills, those are harder uh, to come by and they sometimes take a lifetime to develop. And so that's something else I'm looking for. I, I Often I'm not looking for somebody who's really good at a specific area of the law. I'm more interested in knowing that they can get in front of a judge or a jury, that they can uh, hold the attention of somebody, that they can lead. Now, these are the things that I'm more concerned with. Those are much harder to teach and much yeah. harder to develop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I joke that lawyers have perfected kindergarten skills of reading, writing. And <laughs> so, um, and therefore, I'm dedicating, dedicating the rest of my life um, to getting better at them. Because in the end, um, your ability to, to read, write, and argue, um, that's uh, what helps you, it helps your client, um, and frankly, has an impact on the world. Um, so occasionally, you know, people ask me, Olga, why do you speak so much? Or why do you write so much? I tell them, you know, birds fly, fish swim, Olga speaks. Um, <laughs> that, that's what I do. Uh, I, I, I'm aware I have perfected in the garden skills and I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my career uh, developing them further. Um, I, I owe it to myself. I owe it to my clients and, and I owe it to people I hire. Let's talk a little bit about sort of, you know, we talked about before, during, let's talk about after. The after happened, you've retained, you, you've hired this person, you've engaged your partner, uh, you have this legal talent. Let's talk about nurturing and engaging that talent. What steps would you take or do you take? How do you think about it in a constructive way over the life cycle of that, of that relationship with that uh, was that employee or partner or peer? 
Yeah, I think first we have to acknowledge that each of us has certain strengths and weaknesses. And people, there's always a debate whether you focus on your strengths or your weaknesses. I'm a big believer that you go all in on your strengths. That obviously, if you have a really bad weakness, you have to work on it. But there's a reason why each of us has certain talents and certain skill sets. And, you know, we are driven to pursue activities in those skill sets. And we feel more comfortable doing those skill sets and engaging in them. And we're just better at it. And so whenever you onboard somebody, you really need to understand what he or she is really good at and find a way that they can shine doing those things. Um, you know, if you have somebody, uh, you know, again, taking a very narrow example of an attorney, maybe somebody's really good at taking depositions. Uh, you know, try to seek more opportunities for them to take depositions. Maybe they're not the greatest of writers, but they really know how to take depositions, how to interview witnesses. Then maybe you take cases that are more uh, intensive uh, in terms of depositions and uh, interviews than it is in writing. Or maybe you have somebody who loves to write, uh, but is shy and isn't particularly good at the deposition. So maybe they're doing more pellet work. Maybe they're doing more research and writing work. They enjoy it. They're, you're maximizing their skill set in those areas. And so it's, you know, there are very few people who are good at everything, obviously. Certainly I'm not. And so you try to find the work that they can do well that will satisfy and make clients happy and makes them happy. And that's part of part of hiring in the first place. You know, you have to see, well, you know, you know, we're looking for ABC skills. They have ABC skills, so that's perfect. Um, and sometimes you're never going to find somebody with all the skills you want. Um, and maybe the one skill they're missing is something that can easily be developed. But that's really such an important part of hiring. You know, what skills do you need? And do they have those skills that they can shine in those skills? And if they don't have them all, you know, how else can you use that person? Um, and, 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 you know, that's part of the interview process, trying to figure out what somebody is good at and what they're not good at. And again, you know, there's personality tests out there. There's law and form interviews. You can have different people in your group or team interview the person. You can find out what they enjoy doing, their hobbies or their interests, because people generally tend to gravitate toward activities and things that they enjoy and do well. Um, so there are various ways of evaluating all that. But once you have them inside the the firm or the company, and you know that want to be part of the team, you really have to play to their strengths. Um, and if, if there's certain weaknesses, yeah, you help them develop those, but you don't really put them in positions where they're constantly having to work on their weaknesses. You know, maybe it's something you develop over the long term. And maybe eventually a weakness becomes a strength. You know, I was never or always a really big on public speaking. For years, I was terrified of public speaking, uh, but I really wanted to develop that. And so I made myself go out there and engage in public speaking. Now I enjoy it, I do it all the time, and I'm constantly speaking in front of groups. And so, you know, things can change, but uh, that has to be a process that you engage with individual. You can't make somebody be someone they don't want to be. Now, if somebody says, you know, I'm not a particularly good writer, but I really want to learn to write, and they invest in themselves and you invest in them, then eventually they could become a very good writer. So it's just a question that you have to work with with the individual. You have to work alongside of him or her to help develop uh, what they're already good at and help them display those skill sets the best way possible. I like the concept of plenty of strengths and looking for opportunities to shine. And uh, how do you, I guess, identify those for yourself and perhaps for the members of your team? What are sort of practical steps? of allowing people to kind of practice on top of their license, playing to their strengths and uh, giving them opportunities to shine. 
you know, first I'll ask them, you know, what awards have they received over their lifetime, you know, in terms of academic or sports or social or community, you know, I'm trying to see what people have acknowledged them for, uh, but just typically they're going to shine in some area of, uh, of their life in some way. I'm going to find out, you know, what classes they did, did particularly well in, uh, whether it was in college or high school, what classes they really enjoyed because they probably had some interest in doing that. What are their hobbies outside of work? Because there's probably some correlation there, right? Somebody who loves to read classic literature. Well, they probably did writer possibly, or somebody who really enjoys uh, doing puzzles or crosswords. Well, they may, they like complex ideas or issues that they'd like to work out or hash out on. And so it, it, it takes time. You know, it really, you really need to delve into a person's personality and psyche a bit and uh, take the time. And all of us have less time these days, but really whether it's you or somebody else in your team or collectively as a team, really find out what makes the person tick and what makes them special or different or unique. Uh, because that's probably where if you can kind of line up what they're really good at and what makes them special to what your needs are and you can kind of put like a round peg in a round hole so to speak then that's perfect that's ideal and again uh, the idea that a one individual is going to be everything you need is, is is not realistic and so you try to find somebody who can meet most of your needs and you find them and, and, and you kind of play around with your team and you figure out, you know, who fits what needs and what roles each person plays and, um, and you know, how they complement and supplement each other and so forth. Uh, but you're right. You need to really kind of bear down and drill down and figure out what makes them different and unique. So let's talk about training because training is kind of part of it. You know, in, you know, big law firms have, you know, cohort trainings, right? Um, and there is this duty for many lawyers to take CLE credits. Uh, so professionally requiring us to, to be lifetime learners, I guess. Uh, but, but training could be much more than that. How do you think about it in the context of, say, your career and, and the folks on your team? You know, there's um, formal training. You know, you can certainly send out lawyers or whomever out to different programs that are out there. You know, if it's substantive, there's substantive CLE. If it's more soft skills, you can send them to public speaking courses or leadership courses. But I think in terms of just overall training for whether it's a firm or a company, you kind of have to decide for yourself, what are your processes? You know, how do you do things? Uh, you know, how do your clients want things done? How do you want things done? And then reduce that to a series of processes. I'm a big believer in to-do lists. I'm a very big believer in checklists. I'm a big believer in trying to figure out how I do things and how I do them efficiently and effectively. And then I translate that into a series of checklists. And I say, well, this is how I do it. And then I go ahead and I teach others through those checklists. I basically say, you know, this is how I take the deposition, for example, or how I argue a motion or how I interview a client or how I prepare a client for a deposition. And then, you know, one of my books I've written is, you know, checklists for every occasion. And it literally is like a couple hundred checklists of every aspect of the practice. And then I sit down with them and I show them, this is how I think I do it. You know, um, it's not a perfect way, but this is how I do it. And if you want to work off of this is fine, but this is how I think this is, you know, having done this so many different times and ways and, and gotten feedback over the years, I think this is effective. And then we go back and forth and we teach them, you know, this is our process and our manner of doing 
this specific task or project or case or whatever it might be. And it's good for me because I kind of go through the process again. I kind of tinker with it in the process of teaching it. You know, if you can teach something, you actually know it really well. And that's good for the individual because they're learning how you do things. And, you know, each of us have our own pet peeves and our own style of doing things. And uh, I'm not saying my style is better than yours or yours is better than mine, but it is what it is. And if we can reduce it to a series of steps and then share with others and kind of walk alongside of them and teach them how to do it, then at some point they'll do it the way we do it. You know, hopefully they may even show us how to improve upon it. And then eventually they'll be in a position to show somebody else and kind of pass it along and pay it forward. I like that. You started talking about the paying forward and learning, um, which kind of goes into the question of culture, right? The culture that in the end, you use to attract the right candidates and, and uh, inspire them to go above and beyond every day and then ultimately retain, right? How do you create in, in this process of helping individuals to succeed that propels the organization forward in the legal organization? How do you create the right culture that ultimately hopefully reduces your turnover? What are, what are the steps you're taking? Yeah, that's a great question. I think organizations that thrive have a mentoring culture. They understand that they need to train their people. If they don't, then first of all, the people aren't going to know how to do their job particularly effectively to be frustrating for everybody involved. And two, if you're not investing in your folks, they're not going to feel connected to your organization. There's not going to be any developed loyalty. And if another opportunity comes along that pays them more, they're probably going to take it. And so it's in the interest of whether it's a firm or a company to invest in their folks because they're the future of the organization. You know, it's um, there's that old joke that, you know, it says, you know, what if we invest in somebody and they leave? And it's like, well, what if we don't invest in them and they stay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just it's in the best interest of everybody involved to really develop your personnel, even if ultimately you decide to go somewhere else and pursue another venture. Because one, it draws them closer to the organization. It shows that you're vested in them. And if you pay it forward to them, more likely they're going to remain loyal to you and the company or the law firm. And three, you know that you're improving their work product and by extension, the overall work product of what you're putting out there for your clients. So having just sort of a mentoring perspective and that sort of seeps through everybody in the organization from top to bottom and having everybody understand that they have a responsibility to mentor everybody below them. So the person at the top is responsible for everybody underneath and so on and so forth. So even maybe a junior person may be responsible for the intern and then the person above them is responsible for the junior person, the intern and all the way down. Just having that culture, as you said, is important and kind of making sure that is uh, part and parcel with how the organization is run. Coming to the end, um, and uh, I, I found the discussion uh, very interesting um, and inspiring. One of the things you, you talked about, alluded and talked about, is about staying connected. And um, I guess if pandemic taught us anything, is that staying connected and doing so creatively um, is important. In the, in the context of hiring inspiring, retaining attorneys. What does staying connected mean? And how do you foster that environment of connectivity? Staying connected is really important. And I know that you contributed to a book written by a number of female lawyers 
uh, called Network and how you guys stay connected online. In terms of just organization-wise, uh, in this time of COVID where a lot of us are working remotely and for not, we're still trying to socially distance in the office, uh, you have to make a conscious effort to reach out to individuals and ask them how they're doing, you know, what's going on in their lives, you know, without getting too personal or invasive, but just showing that you care, that you are interested, really listening to them. I think some folks do a very poor job of listening. They ask the casual question of how your day was or how your weekend was, and they don't really listen. And then they end up asking the same question the next day or the day after that. And so, you know, if you have somebody in your team who really likes the a certain sports team, you know, ask them how they are and really listen to what they have to say. And maybe you even read an article or two about the sports team, even though if you personally aren't all interested in sports, I'm not really all interested in sports, but I know there's somebody at our firm who really is. And so I'll make a point to read and stay on top of the sports page and talk to him about what's going on because he really loves sports. Um, and that's true for anything. You know, it's just taking the time uh, to be interested in people and who they really are and what they really like. People notice that, you know, if you really enjoy science fiction and, you know, I don't particularly enjoy it, but I'm making a point to try to, you know, read up on some show you're watching and asking you about it. I think you're going to notice that. Uh, and I think you're going to appreciate that. So uh, it's something simple, sort of this emotional quotient, this EQ that we are constantly mm -hmm. talking and hearing about. Uh, but it's just kind of common sense, just, you know, taking the time to listen and pay attention and following up when somebody brings up a point and then somebody says X. A week later, you say, oh, how's X? Somebody says, why? A week later, oh, how's Y going? You know, and just continue the conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. As always, I learned so much from our conversations by following your post. Oh, thank thank you. you for this shout out to Network. It was certainly fun to be connected to uh, women attorneys all over the United States and the world. And, and feeling connected, that was a big Part of uh, my pandemic experience and I'm grateful for that opportunity also grateful for the opportunity to meet people like yourself and continue likewise, to learn likewise. <laughs> from you every day and thank you for finding your time to talk to me thanks for having me thanks so much I had a great time today